Hey, this is John Huseman. I'm the pastor of the Ark Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this inspires you. I hope it builds your faith, and I hope it draws you closer to God. Enjoy the message. Thank you so much for joining us today, whether you're joining online or whether you are here in the room in Salina, Kansas, the hottest vacation destination in the U.S., we are just so thankful you are here. You know, I remember a time in my life when I had to drive over an hour to church every single Sunday. So I'm living in Manhattan, Kansas. I'm checking out all these different churches. I had just rededicated my life to God, and I could not find a church that I connected with. And so I ended up driving one hour there, one hour back every single Sunday. Because for something, for some particular reason at this church, I really connected with God. Actually, James 4, 8, it says this, come close to God and God will come close to you. So I just want to encourage you, maybe you're driving a little bit today. Maybe you had a little bit of an extra drive. God sees that effort. God sees that energy. God is going to see that in his promises. As you come close to him, God is going to come close to you. So if you happen to have your Bibles today, why don't you open it up to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. It's kind of towards the back of your Bible. And let me give you a little bit of a background on this uh, portion of scripture before we dive in. So the Apostle Paul, he's actually planted a church. He started a church. And this particular city, Thessalonica, is in his mind like one of the best strategic places he could possibly plant a church. Thessalonica is kind of a port city. And they trade all the way to the east and all the way to the west. So Paul, in his mind, he's thinking, if I can get people excited about Jesus in this town, we can spread the gospel to the entire world. So he he starts off and things are going really, really good. And so they they have church week one, they have church week two, they have church week three. There's all these new people that they're coming to church. There's all these new people that are, are getting saved, getting excited about Jesus. But the religious leaders start to hear about it. It's always the religious leaders. Like, why is it the religious leaders that are so against Jesus? Like, I I don't exactly understand. But the religious leaders, they get fearful and they're like, we are going to shut him down. So Paul's friends, they're kind of like, hey, we got to get you out of here. It's not safe. It's not secure anymore. Like we have to get you out of town because if, if we leave you here, like they're going to kill you. They're going to take you out. Like we got to get you out. So Paul leaves. Paul's having these thoughts in his head. Is what I did going to have any kind of impact? Is it going to matter? Is anything that I just put all this effort and all this energy towards, is it really going to even matter? You know, maybe you've had a similar thought. Maybe you've thought to yourself, is what I'm doing actually making a difference? Is what I'm doing actually affecting anyone? Maybe you're a greeter. Maybe you're in the kids ministry. Maybe you even uh, post stuff online or maybe it's in your job and you're trying to be a light for God. And you're asking yourself, is anything I'm doing even making a difference? Does it even matter? I want to share some verses with you this morning that I think is going to encourage you. So here is Paul's response back to the church of Thessalonica after he hears all the great things that are going on. This is 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 7. So we have been greatly encouraged in the midst of our troubles and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, because you have remained strong in your faith. It gives us new life to know that you are standing firm in the Lord. How we thank God for you. Because of you, we have great joy 
as we enter God's presence. See, Paul actually says, because of you, I'm encouraged. Because of your faith, because you've stayed true, because you have been steadfast. Paul's like, you are giving me new hope. You're giving me new energy. You are blessing me because I've heard about your faith. I've heard how you stayed faithful. I heard how you kept the message of Jesus strong even when I was gone. It is because of you that I have new strength and new energy. See, Paul's saying, my plans didn't work out. It did not go the way I wanted it to go. Actually, what I was hoping was going to happen, it didn't even happen at all. And in the midst of trouble, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of disappointment and frustration, in the midst of all that, I heard about you. I heard about your love. I heard about your care. I heard about your faith. I heard about how you were reaching out to people and serving people. I heard about how you were telling people about the gospel and about Jesus. Like I heard about you and it's because of you that I now have faith. It's because of you that now I feel like there's new life and new breath inside of me. And this morning, I just want to remind you as you live for God, as you worship God, as you give financially to God, as you serve we have no idea how God is gonna use the thing that we put in his hand. One word of encouragement, one act of service, one gift of generosity to change someone's life. We have no idea how God is gonna use that and how God is gonna take that to impact his kingdom. Because of you, people all over the world are gonna know about Jesus. Because of you, people in this community are gonna hear about the name of Jesus. Because of you, people all around this area are gonna have hope that there's a God that cares for them, that there's a God that loves them. And so I just wanna thank you. Because of you, we are making a difference. So for the next couple of weeks, we're gonna be sharing stories and testimonies about the life change that's been going on. And I just really believe that God is gonna add excitement. He's gonna add strength. He's gonna add hope into your life and give you everything you need to keep doing what God's called you to do. So this morning, let's talk a little bit about why are we giving? Why are we doing this grocery giveaway thing? Why are we, why are we spending thousands and thousands of dollars to help basically complete strangers? Why do we reach out to hurting humanity? What is this thing that we do? Why do we give? In Luke 21, verse one, Jesus is, is teaching and we see a little picture of Jesus in this parable. So I wanna read it to you. This is verse one. While Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then a widow, a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them, for they have given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything that she has. Now I wanna highlight a couple of things for you in this scripture. The first thing, Jesus is watching people give. Like, I don't know if that seems awkward to you at all, but Jesus is back there at the collection plate, like watching people drop in their gifts. Some of you are a little bit scared, paranoid right now. Like, is this John's new thing? Is this what John is gonna do? And the answer is no, I'm not doing that. I am not comfortable with that. But this is what Jesus is doing. And the next thing is that there's a poor widow that she comes by. 
and she drops in two small coins. Jesus actually says she has dropped in everything that she has. So the question I have is, why didn't Jesus stop her? Why didn't Jesus just say, hey, 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 honey, no, 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 no. You don't have anything. This is all you have. No, 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 you don't need to do that. Why doesn't he stop her? Why does he allow her to drop in these coins, knowing she's a widow, knowing there's no husband at home, there's no one else that's going to be able to bring in any money, knowing she's all alone, knowing she doesn't have much, knowing she's poor, Jesus doesn't stop her. My question is, why? Did Jesus just have a lapse in judgment? Did he all of a sudden just quit being perfect and quit being almighty God and, and quit? No, no, no. Like he's perfect. He never makes a mistake. He never, ever sins. He never, ever goes back and says, you know what? I really regret doing that because I really should have done this thing. Like he's perfect. And still being perfect, being all knowing God, he says, I'm going to let her give. And the question I have is why? Now, before we get to that, before we answer that, I also want to look at another story with a widow. This is in 1 Kings 17, verse 8. It says, Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath, near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath, and as he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks, and he asked her, Would you please bring me a little water in a cup? As she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. And I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal. Then my son and I will die. Okay, so let's recap. God speaks to the prophet Elijah. He says, go to this particular city. In this city, there will be a widow that she is going to feed you. So he walks up, he finds a widow. He's like, hey, uh, can you make me a little piece of bread? And she says to him, I don't have a single piece of bread in the whole house. I don't have a piece of bread, you Jesus dude. Like I don't have bread, I don't have anything. I'm gonna make my very last meal and then me and my son, we are going to die. Probably not the response that he was expecting. So let's see what he does next. Does he say, hey, I'm so sorry to bother you. I, I mean, God told me to find a widow. Maybe I got the wrong one. Like, hey, have a nice day. No, that's not what he says. Do you think he says, oh, hey, uh, no big deal. Let me go down to the grocery store. I'll find some people. We'll bring you some food so you and your son can be okay. He doesn't say that either. It's interesting what Elijah says next. It's interesting how the prophet Elijah and how Jesus view money, how they view resources, and why they do what they do. Here's how Elijah responds in verse 13. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, there will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops go again. Elijah says, I, I, I hear you. I understand. So go ahead and start cooking. Uh, ju just make me some bread first. So go ahead and do the plan that you have, but just 
make me something first. Make sure I'm the one that gets the first cut. Then you and your son, you guys can have everything you need. Then it can be okay for you and your son to eat. Is anyone else thinking like, that's wrong. That's rude. That's pretty insensitive for this prophet Elijah guy. Like, how could he say that? How could he do that? It probably does seem like all those things if we don't apply a kingdom mentality to the situation. It probably does seem rude. It does seem insensitive. It does seem almost like wrong if we don't have a kingdom mentality. So a great question is, what is a kingdom mentality? A kingdom mentality is this. It is the absolute belief. God is my provider. God is my source. And so I'm going to do things God's way. God has a certain order. And when we do things God's way and God's order, we realize it's only God that could make it happen. It's only God that could do this thing in my life. So this is a kingdom mentality. So Elijah is like, I hear you. I understand what you're going through. I see the poverty. I see the pain. I know what's going on. I know that you have been crying at night and I'm here because Almighty God has sent me because he hears your prayers. He sees your situation. He knows what you're going through. And so I am the answer that you need. I am the answer that Almighty God is bringing into your situation. And so I'm letting you know he sees you. He hears you. He understands. But there's a certain order of how you're going to experience breakthrough. There is a certain way that God wants to bring breakthrough in your life so that you know it's not because of man. It's not because of your talent. It's not because of your own strength. Breakthrough is coming only through Almighty God. So I hear you. I understand you. But it's going to look a little bit different. Here's how the story ends in verse 15. So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. See, even though it didn't make sense to her, she still obeyed. Even though part of her is like, this guy isn't super nice. He's kind of insensitive. It kind of feels a little bit rude to me. Still, she said, okay, I choose to obey what God has asked me to do. Even though she didn't understand, even though she didn't quite get it, even though it kind of like rubbed her a little bit the wrong way, she still said, okay, God, I'm going to take a step. I am going to trust you. And the result was supernatural provision. She's able to eat for many days. Her son is able to eat for many days. The prophet Elijah is able to eat for many days. God brought supernatural provision that blessed her and also blessed other people. So something that always I've wondered about is like, why is it that God had her feed Elijah first? What is it? Why did Elijah have to be fed first? What is it about this thing where Elijah has to come first? You see, I want you to understand she had to plant seeds. She had to get spiritual seeds in the ground. If you don't have spiritual seeds in the ground, then God cannot produce a spiritual harvest. So feeding Elijah first was planting spiritual seeds. And once she had seed in the ground, then harvest could come, then breakthrough could come. But the order is important. If there's no seed in the ground, there's nothing for God to work with. Second Corinthians 9 verse 6 says, remember this, 
A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give, and not reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all that you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over, why? To share with others. This is what God's heart is. We do it God's way. We do things in God's order, and then God blesses us so that we can be a blessing to others. The goal in life is not just to get a bunch of stuff. Our goal is not to be rich and be blessed so that we can just collect a bunch of things. That's not the goal. The goal is to be a resource and to be a vessel where God can put resources in my life so that I can begin to bless people, to help people, to resource other people. Like I want to be a vessel that God uses to flow resources through me. See, if you have a farming background, you kind of understand this. My grandpa was a farmer, farmed uh, in Ellsworth, outside of Ellsworth for like 50 years. And in the farming world, if you plant a little, you get a little. But if you plant a lot, you get a lot. This is a spiritual law. This happens whether you are a Christian or a non-Christian. Like this is a spiritual law God has instituted in the world and it happens every single time. Every time you plant generously, every time you do things according to God in his order, he keeps his promise. We got a pretty amazing testimony video we wanna show you right now. Go ahead and take a look at this. This is Curtis's story. My name's Curtis, and I wanna share part of my story with you today. I've been in the painting business about 15 years. For the first 13 years of my business, I handled things different than the way I do now. I was always looking for the next big job, the next big opportunity. And when something would come along, I would pray about it. But my prayers would sound like this. Hey God, I have this new opportunity. There's something cool that I wanna do. And if you wanna stop me, you're gonna need to stop me because I'm, I'm going for it. And so I would wait a day because I wanted God to stop me if he needed to. And then I would go on with whatever it was I was gonna do. And about two years ago, I was, I was done with running a painting business here. And I had the opportunity to move to a different town, take a different job. And so I prayed just like I always do. Hey God, here's this opportunity. If you don't want me to take it, stop me. Well, I, I went. I left my family here and I went to get established in a new job. And I got a phone call from my wife and she said, this isn't it, I need you to come home. And I said, what do you mean? She said, I don't know. I just, I know that this isn't it. So I was super frustrated and came home and not knowing what my next move was gonna be. I remembered a message that I heard that said, when you're lost and you don't know what to do, go back to the last place you heard from God and do whatever it is he had you doing at that point in time. Well, the last time I heard from God, I knew that he told me, be in Salina and run your business. So. That's what I did. Now I knew I had to make some changes or I was gonna get the same results that I had always got. So I felt led to log off all my social media for a year, to finish the Bible in a year, and to start tithing off of the top of my business. I had 
always tithed, but I did it different. First, I paid my guys. Then I paid for my material. And then I would tithe off of whatever was left. The only problem with that was I was robbing God. Malachi 3.10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. Test me in this. Okay. So I did. And in the first year of testing God, he increased my business by 143%. And in the second year, it was even more. God blessed my family in ways that I could never even imagine. He blessed my business more than he ever has before. And all I did was what his word told me to, which was test him. I still don't know how God does it. I don't know how he makes all the pieces fit together. That was the hardest part for me. I wanted to see it. I wanted to guarantee. I wanted to know that my family was gonna be taken care of. I wanted to know that my business was gonna make it. I didn't have any of that. I didn't have the guarantee. All I had was the promise, the promise that he was going to make my storehouses overflow. And he has, and he will. Now that I've experienced God's blessing, I'm never going back. If God can use a guy like me, he can use you too. Test him and watch what he does. I love hearing stories about people taking a step and trusting God. Maybe when it doesn't make sense, maybe when it feels fearful, maybe when they don't exactly know how it's gonna work out. I love hearing stories about people saying, God, I trust you and I'll do it your way. If you're wondering, why did Jesus let that poor widow give money in the offering? Why didn't Jesus stop her? The reason Jesus allowed her to give was because Jesus wanted her to have spiritual seed in the ground. Jesus didn't stop her because he's like, this is the way breakthrough comes in your life. This is how you get God's blessing on your life. This is how you begin to get God's goodness in your life is that we have to get spiritual seed in the ground, especially in the world of finances. This is the verse that Curtis referenced in the video. It's Malachi 3. I'm gonna start in verse eight, read through 10. It says, should people cheat God? Yet you've cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You've cheated me of tithes and offerings due to me. You're under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it and put me to the test. You see, this, this verse is, illustrates almost like how God wants us to live our life. You see, there's an umbrella of blessing that God puts on us. When we do things God's way, when we honor God, when, when we tithe, when we bring our first 10% to God and say, God, I trust you. We are now under a blessing. We are now under his covering. There's safety, there's security, there's provision when we do that. But when we step out of that, there's not that same covering. We step out of God's blessing. We step out of God's order. We're not in alignment with the way God wants us to do things. And he says, not John, not the ark, but he says, the word of God says, you're cheating me. You're robbing me. 
But the amazing thing about God is that every time we take a step out of bounds, God always gives us a way to step back in. There's always redemption with God. There's always a way back in with God. Like God says, I put me to the test, test me. God's like, try me out in this. I will bless you. I will open the windows of heaven. I will make opportunity. I will make it work when it does not seem possible. God's like, put me to the test and watch how I redeem the situation. You see, another thing you might not know about Curtis is that, well, one, he's always packing. So you want to be on his good side. You want to make friends with Curtis Tony. He's always packing. But right behind me, whenever we're doing church, he's backstage and he's producing our online services. So he's making sure you can see it, you can hear it. Like he, he's back there serving. And on Tuesdays, he comes in and he prays over an hour in this room, praying over the chairs, praying over the cards. Like he's, he's part of our prayer team. And he's basically said, all Tuesday morning, I'm gonna dedicate my life to helping God, helping the church, moving the kingdom of God forward. He could be out trying to make a painting business grow. He could be out bidding jobs. He could be out doing a lot of different things, but he's made a choice to say, God, your kingdom come, your will be done. He has a, a mentality that says, God, I'm gonna seek first your kingdom. And through that, through that decision, God has blessed his business over 143% in year one and even more than that in year two. You might be thinking, that doesn't make sense. I don't know how that can work. When you get spiritual seed in the ground, God is the one that brings the harvest. God is able to do exceedingly more than anything you could ever ask or think or imagine. So as a church, I want us to take a step of faith. As a church, I want us to keep trusting in God. As a church, I want us to say, God, I trust you. It's your kingdom. It's, it's, it's you. It's about you. It's your purpose. Like, I want to fulfill the plan you have for me. And God, I will be a resource. You can flow resources through. I will be a vessel. I will be willing to give. I will do everything that you've asked me to do. There is a great purpose and a great plan that God has for us. And I want to pray for you as we close today. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you have a plan and a purpose for every single one of us. God, I help, help us to be people that are vessels. That God, we look at things from a kingdom mentality, that we put your kingdom first, that we put uh, the word of God, it never returns void, it never comes back em empty. So we trust you, we love you, we do what you say. Maybe you're listening to this or even watching online and maybe you don't have a relationship with God. I'm not gonna do anything uh, to embarrass you. I'm not gonna do anything to make you feel uncomfortable, but sitting right there in your seat, I want you just to say this prayer with me. Repeat these words after me. Say, dear God, I ask you to come into my life and to be my Lord and Savior. I confess that I've sinned, but I'm asking you to forgive me, to heal me, and to redeem me. Today, God, I dedicate my life to you. I am fully yours in Jesus' name, amen. You see, once you make that decision, the Bible says all of the angels are rejoicing. They're excited, there's joy, there's celebration because one person decided to make Jesus their Lord and their savior. So a couple steps for you as we close this out. One, 
tell somebody, tell somebody I asked Jesus in my heart. And then two, keep coming back to church. Keep coming back to a place where you can experience God's presence. You can be around a group of believers. You can be in a community of faith where you can grow, you can build relationships, and you can continue to make a difference. So make sure you keep joining us through the month of November. Because of you, we're going to show testimony videos. We're going to be telling stories about God, about how God is using us in a powerful way right here in this community. God bless you. We love you. We're praying for you.